Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty care centers, hospital, and Minnesota's level one adult and pediatric trauma center, presents Healthy Matters. As always, consult your physician if you have health concerns. Here's Denny Long with Hennepin Healthcare Internal Medicine Physician, Dr. David Hilden. That's good morning and welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters, where you drive the show this morning. It's an open line show. If you have any kind of a general health question for Dr. Hilden, call it in or text it in. I'll give you the number in just, it's the same number, by the way, for both the phone and text messages. Good morning to you, Dr. Hilden. Good morning, Denny. It's a, uh, a little more calm day than it was. Wasn't it windy? Alaska. It was really windy the last few days. We're seeing an uptick, though. It's been cold, so we're seeing an update in uh, in uh, winter weather at the hospital. Hospital, yeah. Okay, I believe that. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, frostbite, which you you might imagine. And 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 uh, uh, I think a lot of people were staying in this past weekend. But those who were outside, or those who didn't have a choice because it was your job, or you don't have a place to live, or Things like that. It, um, it was, it's brutal when it gets to be brutal. Is the word? It's just brutal. I've I've noticed some of those, um, you know, the changeable billboards though, that you see outside by freeways. A lot of them now are are. There's an advertisement which I applaud. I just really applaud this. I'm about frostbite and who to call. There's a number to call if you're getting frostbite. Doesn't um, take long either. It does, does it? not take long. Just a few minutes. And if your feet are wet or your fingers are wet, it just takes almost nothing. But a few minutes of exposed to the cold and your fingers get red. Because they start out getting red and they get numb, and you need to you need to get out of the cold when that happens at that stage when they're a little bit red and numb. If you wait till they're much longer than that, they get gray and purple, and they well they're dying off. And so, be really careful. Other people have to worry are you know pond hockey people and you know and people are up skating on the ice and just you, you forget about it. It's cold out there, so mm-hmm. make sure you're <clears throat> excuse me. Make sure your your terminal digits are covered, your fingers, your toes, your your nose, your ears, those things. Now, I, I keep asking you this, seems like every open line show, and here we are, 19th of January. Still a flu shot a good idea? It is. It is. It's still a good idea. I have, I'm working today, and I was working yesterday, on my team of patients, you know, every doctor sees a, a team of patients, and on the patients that were assigned to me, I think three of them had influenza. Mm. One was about in her forties. Two were older adults. One, uh, both in their eighties. And it's bad when you have it, especially for those two older adults. The woman in her forties, I won't say more than that, you know, for privacy. But she did fine, and and the other, they're all going to do fine. But the two um, older adults in their eighties are in in still in some trouble. They're still in the hospital and. And the diagnosis is simply influenza A, and uh, not one of them got the flu shot of these three. And it, although it's getting late in the year, it's not. In, it's we're we're in high season here, so it takes a couple of weeks for the flu shot to take effect. So if you if you get the flu shot today, 
It isn't going to help you tomorrow. It's going to help you in two weeks. So get it now. It's still it's still an okay thing to do and a smart thing to do. And then put it on your calendars to get it in the first part of October next year. Next year, yeah. yeah. Or, or even, year. even September. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's this yeah, year. It's next really winter season. Very yeah. good. Uh, call us or s- uh, send a text if you have any kind of a general health question for Dr. Hilden. 651-989-9226. Same number for the text. 651-989-9226. Tell you what, let's go to Golden Valley. I think Miller is there with a question. Miller, what is your question for the doctor? Good morning. I'm a, a older gentleman, and I used to be in construction, and my hands would get beat up during the winter. But now I've been retired for 12 years, and I don't work outside near so much, but my hands are still cracking, especially around my fingers, uh, my thumbs and that. And what I do is I put Vaseline on them, and I wear white gloves and when I sleep. But... Uh, is there a better way for me to take care of my hands? Yeah, that's a good question, Miller. Um, and uh, I don't. Um, I, I actually, the what you just said about the Vaseline in the hands is a is an often, often recommended thing to do. But you beat me to it, and and for good reasons. It do, it is one thing to start out with. Put something that holds moisture in, and then put socks or gloves or something on when you sleep. That's one way to do it. The idea is that you want to get penetrate into the layers of your skin. And a lot of the lotions that people put on are kind of water-based, and they, they're kind of you know thin, and they don't really work their way in. So anything that you can get that works its way in is a good idea. A lot of people like um, something called ammonium lactate, or, or it has some brand names. One of the brand names is um, it's ammonium lactate. It comes in a tub. Um, so like Aquaphor? Yeah. The Aquaphor is another one that's more like a Vaseline-y type of product. But, uh, but some of the, this ammonium lactate is, uh, is uh, uh, by prescription only. And so you have to go to your primary care doctor. You wouldn't need a dermatologist for this. And you put that stuff on. I had one guy tell me this stuff's like the fountain of youth. He actually used that term because it was so good for his skin. He was joking. He was a guy also a little bit older. Uh, and he he had some pretty gnarly looking hands, and he tries this stuff, and I think I kept him as a patient for an extra ten years just because I prescribed this one thing. He thought I was a miracle worker, <laughs> like I turned his alligator skin back into like a baby's bottom. Um, it, so it's that's overselling it. It's not that great, but one thing to try is ammonium lactate. Um, I would keep doing the Vaseline on your hands with um, with gloves on. There are some other products that your dermatologist could do. They have some that are uh, that have emollients in them, that have moisturizers that that can penetrate in. They're all by prescription, but it is a worthwhile thing to see a dermatologist for um, if you're not getting any, any other results from the from the over the counter stuff or from the ammonium lactate. The brand name is Lachydrin, um and Amlactin. Those are the two brand names that I know of. I try to stay away from brand names, but it's easier yeah. to remember that Lachydrin or Amlactin are reasonable ones to try, Miller. So See if I, if I forgot anything about that? I, um, you know, it, it could well be that it's just not dry skin and it's something else. Uh, um, you could have psoriasis or you could have eczema. And those are conditions that none of these moisturizers are going to help. And so if you're not getting any relief with moisturizers, and, and it sounds like you've been doing a pretty good job, that's something you might want to see a doctor for just to make sure it's not eczema, which is a more of kind of an allergic process, or psoriasis, which is an immune process. So there are some things that, that also to try. All right. Very good. 651-989-9226. That's the phone number. That's also the text number. We're getting a bunch of those as well. 651-989-9226. You want to grab one? Let's go to the text. I'm, 
I would imagine this to be the case, and it's already coming in. Uh, listeners have suggestions for, for oh, Miller. Yes. Um, and as usual, the listeners' suggestions are usually pretty good. So here's one that says try Eucerin with gloves. That's good. Um, a good uh, product to put on your hands and then put gloves over that. I appreciate that bit of advice for him as well. Okay, here we go. Let's do some of these other text lines. Please talk about carotid artery dissection. How long is healing process? Is there a danger of recurrence? Now I'm on Plavix and aspirin. Uh, a dissection you know, is whenever a blood vessel, when the layers of the blood vessel separate from each other. Um, so it's not like – so if you, it's kind of like filleting the blood vessel with a, a knife the long way, like a fish. You're filleting a fish where you're separating the layers um, as opposed to chopping it like a loaf of bread. Well, it happens for people when you get older. Um, you're more at risk if you're a smoker. You're more at risk if you have um, uh, um, carotid disease, narrowing of those arteries like with cholesterol plaques. And what happens is that it can be painful and it can be very dangerous. Any artery can dissect. The biggest one's your aorta. If that dissects, it can be life-threatening. But your carotid is the big ones that go up the front of your neck on both sides and supply your brain. And if that dissects, you can have a stroke. And so it's a big deal. And the, the texter is asking, can it recur? And the answer is yes. It can occur in the other carotid artery or it can get worse on the side that you already have um, when you already had the dissection. It's typically um, uh, the symptoms are things like if it's in your carotids, you might, you'll have symptoms of a stroke. Usually it can be painful, but you can also lose neurologic function on one side of your body. That can occur as well. Um, if it's in your aorta, it's usually very painful in your chest and it goes to your back and, and you might be passing out in just a short order if it's in your chest. So that's, a, that's what a dissection is. It's All of the dissections are considered um, vascular emergencies. So it's not like the kind of thing you wonder if you should go be seen for. Usually you had some horrible symptom and, and, or at least severe symptom and you had to go in for that. But yes, it can recur. The Plavix and aspirin are a good idea. They thin your blood, and that's usually what we do in all these kinds of cases to allow blood to slip through and get to the places it needs to be. And if you're on Plavix and aspirin, your dissection was probably relatively minor, and I'm really glad of that to the texture. Not all of them are life-threatening. Not all of them cause big strokes. Some of them are just small little dissections, and so you're getting the right care for that. All right. We need to take a quick break, but we have more show to come. It's an open line show today on Healthy Matters. Call in your uh, question or text it in, 651-989-9226. Heading for near 12 above with some scattered flurries today right now on WCCO. It's four above. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. This is an open line show. That means your phone calls and text messages the rest of the way. 651-989-9226. That'll get you either the phone call or the uh, text messages. All right, let's uh, go to the phones. I think uh, Margaret's calling in from Granite Falls. Uh, uh, Marguerite. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, good morning. Good morning, doctor. Hi, Marguerite. Hello. Yes. Um, I have trouble with my legs. Um, the skin stings when I touch them, um, and sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's a little better. Um, it, I put a lot of lotion on, but it seems to be something under the skin. It's not bumpy, you know. It's just um, underneath. It's so you like, can't see anything, huh, Marguerite? No. Yeah, it's a little red. Sometimes it gets reddish, like there's 
under, like a rash under the skin. Mm-hmm. But it's and not, it's, and they're not swollen or anything like that? I don't think, you know. All right. Uh, but they, they're, they're not bad. Yeah. Well, you know, that's going to be a tough one. Um, uh, it could be any number of things. I just think about, okay, let's think of all the organ systems it could be. It could be your skin. It still sounds like it really could be your skin, um, even without a rash, um, especially this time of year, as we've been talking about earlier, um, the condition of xerosis, X-E-R-O-S-I-S, is a fancy word for dry skin. It still could be that. And we put on socks and our clothing rubs against the dry skin and it gets irritated and itchy and numb and all that. So it could be your skin. So do some of the things we've been trying, uh, we've been suggesting on the show and a lot of listeners have already been saying Vanacream, Eucerin, Working Hands is something you can get a product at most big box stores or hardware stores. Eucerin, any of those moisturizers, Lac Hydrant, try those first. Um, but let's move beyond skin. Maybe it's the vasculature. Maybe you are having um, some venous insufficiency and the blood is kind of pooling in there just a little bit. That's why I asked if they're swollen. Maybe it's not your blood vessels, but maybe it's the nerves in something called neuropathy. That's also a possibility. It could be a more a metabolic problem, such as nutritional things. You could be anemic uh, or have some vitamin kind of deficiencies. So I'm not going to be able to figure out any of those, that's, but that's kind of the process of uh, clinical reasoning that doctors go through. We look at each body system and say, okay, what could it be that's in those areas? Um, without an exam and talking to you a lot longer, I won't be able to tell. But I would start with your primary doctor. I would for sure start with the skin products because that's the most likely. It's still most likely just an irritated skin. I would do that first. and then. But those are some other possibilities. I would also suggest getting your blood drawn just to make sure you're not anemic, um, things like that. Um, make sure your calcium levels are good, your, your electrolyte levels are good, your hemoglobin's good, because those are things that can lead to kind of leg symptoms like that as well. All right. Let's grab a text. That we got a bunch of those. All right. Here goes some text. Um, here's one that says, what is the recommendation for HRT, which means hormone replacement therapy, and the appropriate age and circumstance to try it? That's a great question, texter. Um, That's from the text line. Hormone replacement therapy, when I was in medical school about in the late 90s, was something we were supposed to do for nearly all women as soon as menopause hit. Whoa, were we wrong. That was just not right. Um, Medical science evolved quite quickly on that one. And and then for a few years, we weren't giving hormones to anybody because we thought, oh, gee, it's it's bad for your heart. It's bad for breast cancer. So just, just about nobody got it. Fortunately, the medical science evolved a little bit further, and now there are some pretty good reasons for women to take hormone replacement therapy, but there's just a lot fewer reasons than there used to be. So what it is, is when you hit menopause, when women hit menopause, over a period of some months to years, your hormone levels start to drop, and then eventually your ovaries stop producing estrogen and progesterone um, altogether, and that can lead to symptoms. And so... um, the main symptoms for which it's helpful are those what we call vasomotor symptoms of menopause, otherwise known as hot flashes. They're really good for that. Hormone replacement therapy is good for that. And if you're a woman, postmenopausal woman, who has debilitating hot flashes, and I don't want to make light of it at all. Many women say it's life-changingly bad. 
I am drenched in sweat at night, but I'm also sometimes during the day, and I can't get through my job. And so if it's really distressing, um, hormones work well for that. So you just take it for a, at the smallest dose you can and take that for a few years, and that might really help you through that menopausal period. It is thought to be um, – they're quite good for bones, but we don't so, – so there are some types of hormones that, are, that make your bones stronger. We no longer routinely prescribe hormones, however, just at menopause. Um, so, what, so the long and short of it is talk to your doctor about whether your symptoms are bad enough to, to look, look into hormones and just know that there's a risk-benefit ratio to everything. I think our reaction back in about 10 years ago where we stopped giving all women – hormones was probably an overreaction. They are helpful in some situations. The risk, of course, is a smaller increased risk of breast cancer. So that's the main thing that we worry about. Um, But it's a small risk, but it is real. It's a small, 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 but increased risk of breast cancer. And so talk to your doctor to talk about all the options. All right. We have time for another one here, Danny? Sure. All right. Here's one that says, what what caused a thoracentesis to be done after a pacemaker was put in, and why did it happen? That I have no idea. A pacemaker goes into your little wire, goes into your heart, and the wire travels up your, your blood vessels, and they put a little battery pack under your skin. So a thoracentesis is where they put a needle into the lining around your lungs. It's usually done when your lung has collapsed or there is air in your lungs or fluid in your lungs. And all I can say is that perhaps there was a complication of that pacemaker that was put in. It's in your chest wall. The pacemaker is in the muscles of your chest wall. It's not inside your rib cage in your lungs. But perhaps there was some kind of complication um, during that pacemaker insertion where a little air or fluid escaped um, into your thorax and they had to remove that. I I can't say anything more specific about that one um, without a lot more details. Here's one that says... Um, just says myocarditis and viral infection. That's all the text yeah, says. Yeah, it does. Well, um, myocarditis is an inflammatory condition of the lining around your heart. Uh, or I'm sorry, that's pericarditis. Myocarditis is an inflammatory condition of the heart muscle itself, the myocardium, muscle of the heart. Um, it happens frequently. Well, not frequently. Commonly, though, after a viral infection. It's sort of like you can get a cold. Think of it like your heart got a cold. Um, we usually treat it with some very powerful drugs, ibuprofen, you know, Advil. So I'm kidding about the powerful drugs thing. We usually give anti-inflammatories. We sometimes give a medication, which is also an anti-inflammatory, called colchicine. usually gets better in a few days. It sounds horrible, myocarditis. It can lead to chest pain. It's, it sounds really serious, but it usually gets better within just a few days. All right. Let's go to some more text messages here. There are a lot. Thanks, everybody, for sending all these in. Um, there's a phone line for you. You can call that too, but here's a lot of text messages. Here's one that says, um, my husband quit his two-pack-a-day smoking 18 years ago. He did that by chewing nicotine gum. He is still chewing the gum in large amounts all day. I think he's getting more anxious and forgetful. Is there danger in long-term use of nicotine? What a great question that is as well. Yeah, yes, it's better not to be on any long-term stimulating substance. Um, for nicotine, um, I usually say to people the danger in nicotine is that it's addictive. The danger of smoking is 
all of the other stuff in there, the tar, the 200-plus chemicals that are in cigarette smoke, the particles, the junk, that's what's awful, and that's what causes cancer and emphysema and a hundred other things. But the nicotine in and of itself's worst problem is that it's simply addictive. Um, it doesn't have direct effects that are so bad for most people. So that's what I say about smoking. But if you are getting a load of nicotine, it is a stimulant. It is addictive. And if you're chewing just a lot of nicotine gum, you could be a little bit more anxious. Your heart could be going, having to work a little bit harder. It's sort of a – well, it's not sort of. It's a stimulant of your heart. And so it is possible that if someone could overdo nicotine um, after 20 years in the form of gum, it's not a common problem because usually I tell people if you have to pick, you pick the nicotine gum over cigarettes every time, every time, every time. So it is possible um, for this, uh, this texter's husband uh, maybe could taper off a little bit and try to use a little less, maybe like replace every other nicotine gum with a, a hard candy or, or – a gum that doesn't have nicotine, and sort of taper himself off to a lower dose. That's probably a good idea. But whatever he does, don't replace it with smoking cigarettes. No, we have to break, but before we do... It's Heart Month next month. It is uh, around the nation. It's American Heart Month. It's coming up in February. We're going to be doing a few things at Hennepin to mark um, Heart Disease Month and talk about awareness and prevention. We'll do a show with Dr. David Fine. He's a cardiologist. That'll be February 9th. We'll be talking about cardiac issues then. But we're also doing other things to learn how to do CPR. We're even, we're even doing a Zumba dance party. There's going to be a lot going on through our cardiology department. So go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash heartmonth to see what events are coming up. That's hennepinhealthcare.org slash heartmonth, all one word. And um, you can see what's going on next month. And we're going to talk a lot about your heart next month. Very good. February. All right, we have another half hour of the show to go. If you'd like to call in your question or send a text, it is the same number, 651-989-9226. And your forecast is coming up here in a moment on News Talk 830-WCCO. And welcome back to Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. What does that mean? That means you drive the show with your phone calls and text messages. Same number, 651-989-9226. We have a bunch of those. All right, let's take some of the text messages. This is one I want to talk about because I'm right with you, texter. It says, a good dovetail from the nicotine discussion to the d- dangers of vaping. My college-age daughter now vapes and used to be an athlete. Yeah, the vaping is not safe. There, that's there. I said it. So we, it, it, for the only caveat to the vaping, electronic cigarettes, is that if you are a current smoker of combustible cigarettes, the kind that you light, vaping is probably better than that. And so it, it, that's the only group of people, smokers who are just struggling to, sm- to quit smoking for other reasons, vaping would be better. Nobody else, though. It's not safe. Um, it's just probably a little bit safer than the cigarettes. But it is not safer. It's not safe. Um, people die of vaping, um, um, and it's particularly problematic in teenagers. Um, so parents, you need to talk to your kids in a, in a supportive fashion about what they're seeing because all of them will tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, I see vaping all the time. You need to do your best in a supportive way to let them know that that's not a healthy thing to do. Um, that's vaping I'm talking about. All right, here's one that says, uh, doesn't the anti-inflammatory drug for, uh, for the heart lining cause diarrhea? That's an absolute yes. Um, I didn't talk about all the side effects, but if you have that myocarditis and you're, you're prescribed colchicine, it's also used for gout, colchicine. 
It does have a side effect that if you take enough of it, you get diarrhea. A lot of people get diarrhea with it, but it works really well to, for your heart, and so you just have to take it for a little while. But yes, that's a side effect of colchicine. All right. Back to the phones we go. Amy is calling from uh, Oakdale, I believe. Amy, you're on with the doctor. Hi. I'm wondering um, what can cause a painful soreness on the rib cage that can be heart- painful to the touch and also to talk about lipoma. Sure. Thank you um, for your call, Amy. <clears throat> Uh, your rib cage is uh, is it's really cool. We don't think about our ribs that much, <clears throat> but in your chest wall, there's a whole lot of goodies that have to get protected. Your heart, your blood vessels, your um, your your uh, the all the tubes that lead to your body, your lungs. It's all in there, and your rib cage does an incredible job of protecting it. It's not a rigid structure. It's kind of rigid, but there are there's cartilage that connects the bones to your spine and and so your rib cage is sort of this dynamic thing that gives just a little bit if you get punched in the chest or something. But the problem is um it can have it can get bruised, it can get inflamed, it can get um tears in the muscle. So there's a condition called costochondritis, which is an inflammatory condition of the rib cage. Um or you can just get bruised. Um and so anything that hurts to touch on your chest wall um, is, frankly, reassuring that it's probably a rib cage, a musculoskeletal problem, as opposed to your heart itself. Um, you can't touch your heart and have it hurt worse. Um, and so, so as long as you know that it hurts worse when you touch it and that the pain is kind of musculoskeletal or, um, in nature, you can just kind of watch that. You can take some anti-inflammatories and see if it gets better. Uh, if you do have pain in anywhere in your chest wall or your chest, however, that is just always present or it doesn't get, you can't make it worse by touching it, that's more concerning. A lipoma is a fat tumor, which my dog has more than I can count. Really? But people get them as well. I have, I've had, I'm on my second Labrador retriever and they, they seem to grow these little fat tumors all over the place. Labs seem to have that problem, but people have them too. And they're little tumors of fat. If you were to cut them out, they would look like a blob of butter of varying sizes. You know, they can be the size of a grape or a tomato, or they can be huge. And they can be the size of a grapefruit. And they can get big. And so usually if, if they're not bothering you and they're just in an inconspicuous area, we don't do anything about it. If it's on your chest wall or on your leg or on your back of your neck, if it's in the front area of your neck or somewhere where people can see it or it's in your armpit and it's causing problems moving your arm, a surgeon can take it out. The vast majority um, are just benign little collections of fat that can be removed. But we only remove them if they're unsightly, if it's a cosmetic problem, or they're interfering with some of your body's processes, like moving your arm. All right. Uh, Jerry is calling in from Blaine this morning. Jerry, the doctor's listening. Oh, yes. Uh, I had uh, total knee replacement uh, a year and a half ago, and I was wondering when I have dental work, do I still need to use the antibiotics, or what is the time frame on that? You're done, Jerry. You don't need to. Great question. In fact, we hardly ever have patients use antibiotics any longer um, around dental work. Um, the problem is you're trying to protect your heart, not your knees, um, with antibiotics around the time of dental work. The reason being your mouth is a cesspool of bacteria, not to put it too finely, but it is, and you don't want to liberate all that bacteria into places. So if um, uh, uh, it used to be thought that your knees were, after knee replacement, was worrisome. 
Um, that's not really been shown to be the case. You might take antibiotics a few weeks after your knees were replaced, but not now. Uh, I First of all, always talk to your doctor because your doctor might have different advice. But a year and a half after your knee replacement, you do not need antibiotics for dental work. All right. Uh, Dan is calling in from Annandale this morning uh, for, with a question. Dan, what is your question? Good morning, Denny and doctor. I, I appreciate you taking my call. My wife and I are both in our 70s. We've contacted some kind of a respiratory issue. Uh, it was a dry cough, a hacking cough, wheezing at the end of the breath and thought, oh, boy, we're getting the flu. We both had our flu shots. Went to the doctor. I did. And the doctor said, think it's viral. She prescribed uh, Teslon pearls and the uh, inhaler. Uh, uh, I believe, uh, you know, like people have for asthma. Right, albuterol that. or something. Yes. I did that for two and a half days, called her back, said, I'm not getting any relief at all. She said, I'm going to put you on an antibiotic, which she did. It's been probably 12 days, and I tell you, this cough is just something that just will not go away, and there's no phlegm involved with it. It's just like the upper part of your bronchial tubes or whatever the pipe is, your windpipe, is infected or something. Sure. It wheezes. Dan, have uh, you had a chest x-ray? Uh, no, I did not. I asked her if she thought I should have one, and she said, she listened to my lungs. She said, your lungs sound really good. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, so, And you've had this a few, I think you said weeks now, correct? Uh, it's 12 days, and now my wife has picked it up, too. Yeah. Yeah. So things about a cough. Uh, I don't think you need antibiotics. Um, I never tell people to go against the advice of your doctor, but I would figure. Uh, but but the vast majority of these don't require antibiotics. But just do what your doctor suggested. But it's something to consider that you probably didn't need those. Uh, a cough. If it um, nine out of ten times. A cough, and I'm making up that number, but you know what I mean. The vast majority of the time, they will go away within a few weeks of an upper viral thing. And it does sound like you probably had a mild version of a, well, not a mild. It sounds kind of bad, actually, of a viral upper respiratory infection, a bronchitis, a tracheobronchitis. Um, you could, and, and that will go away with doing nothing, but it might take several weeks. Sometimes the cough goes on for several weeks. Um, you could have had influenza, although that would have been associated with a very high fever all over your body, muscle aches, and it would have been a very rapid onset. It doesn't sound like you had influenza. It does not sound like a bacterial infection because that also is usually a productive cough of some gross stuff coming up, often with a fever. Um, and so it doesn't sound like that as well. So that leaves those are all the common things. Uh, that, that leaves what else could a persistent cough? It could be reactive airways. In other words, an asthma-like reaction where your airways are just tightening up, probably also in response to a virus, but it could be in response to cold weather. We do get that up here, uh, up in Annandale. And, and um, so it could be that. That's what the inhaler is for. All that being said, they all get better on their own after a few weeks. The reason I asked about the chest X-ray is because if your cough does not get better after a few weeks, I would get a chest X-ray. We often don't do it on the first visit uh, because we'd be getting X-rays on everybody. It'd be like a constant stream. We'd need a revolving door at the chest X-ray machine. Um, but we do in a few weeks. If it's not getting better, then you might want to get 
a chest X-ray to make sure you're not developing a secondary bacterial type infection. In the meantime, I would continue the inhaler. Uh, hopefully, you're about done with the antibiotics. They're not doing anything. Um, but hopefully, you're about um, done with that. But keep up the inhaler. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't get better in another week or two, then I would go back and get a chest X-ray. It is not likely all the big nasty stuff. It's not lung cancer, and it's not um, emphysema set in over the over the time. So you're not. I'm not worried about those. The last thing about a cough is it could be acid reflux. So sometimes people take a little uh, protonics or something. Okay. Thank you, Dan. Uh, let's go to Nancy, who's calling in from Marine on Saint Croix, I believe. Uh, Nancy, you're on CCO. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Last January, after a kidney donation, I was on six weeks of light duty or of of no lifting more than 10 pounds. So when I resumed my regular activities, I believe that caused strain on my Achilles tendon. When I went in, they said that it's probably tendonitis and it it requires rest. Um, As of December of 2019, I had an MRI and it looks like there's some tears. I'm wondering, is there a, a solution like maybe stem cell that does not require light duty work for six weeks. Yeah, that's a good question. I just have to ask you, are you on antibiotics of any kind, Nancy? I am not. I'm 51 years old, and other than that, I was healthy. Okay. Well, first of all, and you you were the donor of the kidney? Correct. I was a donor, and I think what happened is being off from my regular exercise routine for a while after that, then it was such a jarring you know, thing to my Achilles, and that's how I think I tore it in March. Yeah, yeah. well, first of all, thank you for donating your kidney. My pleasure. Um, that it was a great thing you did right there, and I just had to couldn't oh. let that go by without saying thank you to you for being a I'm kidney. I'm so donor. glad I did. Yeah, that's a fabulous thing, Nancy. Your Achilles, though, um, uh, you're right. I think it's probably, it's sort of like the, not that you were an active person and suddenly you were laid up for a little while and you couldn't be active and you probably stretched and pulled and tore the, the fibers of your tendons a little bit. Uh, I would. Um, you mentioned stem cells. That's an unproven therapy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that. I'm not saying it's awful or it's 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 um, harmful, but it's unproven. It's very expensive, and I I, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, but what I would recommend is just uh, gradually, gradually get into your previous routine. I would I would start with gentle stretching. I would see a physical therapist or uh, to. Um, to do that under guidance, or I would go to like a, oh, or perhaps a, a personal trainer of some kind. So somebody or a yogi, a, a yoga person who understands the body really well, can help you with gentle stretching and gentle exercises. I would especially go to a physical therapist in this case because they can gradually work on exercises that are safe for your tendon. That w- it will it will get stronger again, but um, it's going to take some effort on your part to not allow it to get worse while you're sort of on light duty. Um, uh, nothing that I can think of is going to be quick. Tendons will take forever to heal. Their blood supply isn't that great, and so it doesn't. they take forever, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Sometimes, I hate to say this, Nancy, months. Mm. Sometimes tendons take months, and I don't know anything to accelerate that process. Okay. Physical therapy. Very good. We need to take a quick break. We have more show to come, more callers, more texters here on Healthy Matters, an open line show today. Light snow falling, four is our current Twin City temperature reading, heading uh, later today for a high near 12. And welcome back to Healthy Matters. We have a lot of calls and text messages uh, here on uh, the open line show. Uh, do you want to grab a few? I'll do we... a few so sure. we get to a couple of these. Here's one that says, 
Um, somebody is suggesting to the man who's been coughing for 12 days, I didn't mention pertussis. That's a good question or a good point. You could have pertussis, otherwise known as whooping cough. All adults need to get a vaccine against whooping cough again. If you haven't had that, that's something to consider. Um, here's one that says uh, a texter is challenging my recommendation that you don't need antibiotics for dental procedure. It says you need to take two antibiotics before enter procedure for the rest of your life after joint replacement. I'm sorry to that texter, but that's old information and not accurate. Um, uh, another texter, how about antibiotics after hip replacement? Um, you don't need antibiotics according – it's been confusing information over the last 20 years, but what we were recommending 5 or 10 or 15 years ago is no longer always what we're recommending now, and there's no evidence that it's helpful to take antibiotics for dental procedures in order to protect your hips. Here's one that says, how can a doctor support vaping? People are dying from it, whereas some people live for 50 years with smoking. If anybody interpreted what I said earlier as supporting vaping, either I am really not being clear or you maybe weren't listening too carefully. Vaping is dangerous and people are dying from it. You That's the first thing you said. start vaping. All I said is that cigarette smoking is probably even more dangerous. You shouldn't do either one of them. But if you had to – if vaping were to help you to stop smoking cigarettes, that is probably a, a lesser – problem. There is nothing more dangerous you can do for your life than smoke cigarettes. Um, well, there are some things I, you know, you know what I mean. Yes. Okay. <laughs> here we go. Uh, let's, oh, there's a lot of text here. Let me try to get to some of these. Um, uh, oh, the, what do I think of life screenings? It's I'm paying out of pocket from Mark. The life screenings are where they do a bunch of tests to look for problems that you don't have symptoms for. Theoretically, it's a good idea if you knew that your carotid arteries were getting bad or whatever else they do, uh, uh, it, theoretically. But I don't recommend them at all because what are you going to do about it? So what? You found out you had carotid disease or something like that. You should eat right. You should uh, keep your blood pressure under control. You should keep your cholesterol under control. You should do those things anyway. It doesn't help you in the slightest to know what they're telling you in those screening things. So I think it's a waste of money. Um, but if you're a super-duper curious person and it helps you to know um, that you've got this, prob- this, this problem, um, I guess have at it. But it's not really going to change what you do, so I think you're kind of wasting your money a teeny bit. Um, do we have time for any? Yeah, I tell you what, let's do, do this. I think Darlene, Darlene has been waiting there in the Lakefield. Darlene, what is your question? Thank you. Yes, thanks for taking my call. Um, I this had several areas of skin cancer removed on a leg, and about the same time, <clears throat> I got a skin condition, which he referred to as lichen planus, and I'm, my arms and legs are still really pretty much covered with this. I'm wondering if you have any experience with it, if you recommend any medication or what you... Did your think. doctor, uh, Darlene, recommend anything for the lichen? Well, he did, because I had to go back so many times, he said he'd put that on hold. But he did mention there were several medications, and I know he said one of them you needed to have your uh, blood work done and watched, and that kind of scared me. And so I'm, you know, I'm kind of debating whether yeah. I should try anything or not. And then I did read something about some possible um, 
light treatments. Right. I'm just wondering if you have any experience. Yeah, I don't have good experience with it, Darlene, but lichen planus is a, a condition of your skin. It's not infectious. It's not like a, um, a reaction to something. It's more of an immune process in your skin that's leading to this kind of a rash. There are some effective treatments. That's maybe what I could say. I shouldn't get into what all the side effects are because um, – and that's outside my area of expertise. But if it's really bothersome to you and it's extensive and it's uncomfortable or unsightly, there are some effective treatments. So my suggestion is to indeed go back and lay out all the options of what were possible. It's not life-threatening, so you don't have to run off and do this. But I would look into what are the various possibilities. There, some skin conditions are treated with light therapy. You are correct. And so th- that might be an option, although I'm going to Huge caveat. I'm not a. I don't know. Um, it's not my expertise to treat that condition. But I would. I would go back and look and see what they all are, and ask ask those same questions and be blunt about it. Um, you know, what exactly is the risk of getting complications from the medications that they're suggesting? But I think it's worth. Uh, I think it's worth going back because it's not going to probably go away. What is your colleague, uh, the, the PA, Natalie Eichmann, up to these Oh, days? Natalie Eichmann. Many of you know Natalie. She's done the show a number of times. She is a PA out in our Golden Valley Clinic. It's a great clinic. She runs the Great Slim Down Program. It's a counseling program that's helping many people get healthier by, by achieving their weight loss goals. So she does one-on-one counseling. She helps people eat better. It has an exercise component. Um, it's a, that's a big part of the program. I think a lot of it's accountability. If you have to go back and see somebody about your, your weight goals, that's a really helpful thing as well. So it's about nutrition. It's about exercise. It's about accountability. The Great Slim Down, um, you can make an appointment to see Natalie out in Golden Valley, or they're offering at other locations as well now. Just call us up. And this is the same number for a primary care doctor as well, 612-873-MYMD. So 612-873-6963 to see Natalie or any of the people at Golden Valley or any of the providers who do the Great Slim Down program. All right. Here's a text before we run out of time. Jim from Lakeville. I've had a bad cold for 10 days. Then the glands on my left side became very swollen, went to urgent care and was diagnosed with the mumps. Huh. I'm 74 years old. How did this happen? What's the treatment and how long am I contagious? Seriously, you had the mumps. Well, um... Uh, either if you got the vaccine when you were younger or you got the mumps when you were younger, and it's usually um, – we don't see it all that often anymore. Uh, I, you should get better in a few days, but you are contagious also as long as you're having some symptoms. Mumps are highly contagious, so stick around. I can't say how long you are because – can I be really honest, Jim, who has this? You know how many cases of mumps I've seen? None. <laughs> I don't I don't recall ever having seen a case in my 20 some years doing this. Now, it is out though and it's coming back. Oh, it is. Yes, and it's coming back because the rest of the world isn't getting enough of their vaccines. This is a vaccine preventable illness and um and and it can lead to problems in men. It can lead to uh, genital urinary problems. Um, it can lead, and so you you want to avoid this. So you consider yourself contagious until you're completely feeling better again. And um, to the rest of the world, probably doesn't matter to you, Jim, but to the rest of the world, get your measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. If you haven't got it, um, you need to get it. Uh, Let's just put it that way. Everything you've heard about the risks of vaccines is far outweighed by the risks of not getting those vaccines. But that's not for you, Jim. I'm sorry about that. You should get better. There's no other treatment he needs to do. 
Wow. Yeah. But highly contagious. It is highly contagious. Right. It is. We have less than 60 seconds to go. What's on the show next week? We're going to do about your shoulders. Um, my colleague, Dr. Nancy Luger, is one of the greatest orthopedic surgeons. She's really good. And with this a rescheduled show from last month. She is an expert on shoulder pain and shoulder surgeries. So if you want to know what's it like to be the surgeon who actually fixes your shoulder, she can give us the inside baseball on shoulder pain and shoulder surgery. I'm really looking forward to it, Nancy. She's a great surgeon. She's been on the show some years ago, but I'm going to have her back next week. And in case you need a primary care doc or anybody. That number, once again, for Natalie Eichmann and the Great Slim Down Program or any primary care doctor is 612-873-6963. See you next week. Stay tuned next for Your Money straight ahead here on News Talk 830 WCCO. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 